man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. D. Catch me on X at Deadpool Hitter. Come check out the Patreon, patreon.com, put Pull Hitter Fantasy into the search bar, and it'll take you right to my site. It's also my pinned tweet. Check it out for a week if you want. You get a free week trial before you have to sign up. And doing breakdowns of my teams. I have an online championship cheat sheet right now, color coded each position, guys I would avoid, the guys I would pay up for, the guys I would draft the cost, with some blurbs on some of the players as well. I have catchers, first base, second, short, and third, released right now. Outfield and pitchers are coming up. I break down some of my drafts as well. I share draft boards, go through a DC diary where I share my uh, pick-by-pick, round-by-round, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking about when I make the picks. Pretty fun. It seems to be the biggest hit. And um, once you sign up, you get access to the Discord, too. You have over uh, about 300 people now, just lively conversations all day long about fantasy baseball baseball it's fun stuff come check it out and oh the merch is out pull hitter merch dot myshopify.com i'll put the link in the show notes if you've been a supporter of the show and you want to buy some merchandise go check it out my wife worked very hard on getting some logos and some cool designs out podcast today is with the two drews andrew geller for also known as the guild drew forte drew forte is this year's online championship overall winner uh, the girls, as everyone knows, is the winner in 2022 and a pretty dominant force in the online championship games. We talk all things online championship. We look back at last year. We look forward to this year. Hope everyone enjoys the show. Peace. All right. Welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast, your destination for actionable fantasy resources. I'm here with the last two winners of the online championship overalls on the NFBC site. They're both wonderful human beings, also fantasy analysts and fantasy players and in in trying to get myself better in the online championship overall i have changed my name to drew um because i guess it's just got to be in the name but andrew geller drew forte welcome guys thanks for coming on to the pod well i'll, I'll go first i'll, I'll take yeah. it yeah, uh thank you rob appreciate it uh it's good to be back i know we did a podcast back in the summer so it's great to be back. It's great to, uh, to talk with you and Andrew. Excited. I love the Roadwire Online Championship, of course. So happy to, to dive in and talk all things fantasy baseball. Mr. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. I want to let the, the reigning champ get the first intro there. So <laughs> always, always happy to join you. Absolutely. And I know you guys had some dialogue as you were battling down the um down to the edge of the season last year because you know 
Andrew, you you came in 16th overall. Drew, you also had a team that was 13th overall, mm-hmm. which um really fascinating to have two two teams competing for the uh, top of the chain. So um, what were you guys talking about in in your little dialogue? Do you like um, talking shit to each other? <laughs> don't don't get in the way of my back to back, young man. <laughs> well, I, I think at some point I I got on. Andrew's on uh, Andrew's radar because I, I think you you shared my Twitter with him and said, like, oh this is the this is the guy I'm chasing um, so it was all good um, I've always appreciated listening to Andrew's thoughts he's obviously extremely talented not only in this contest but main events he's had way more success than I've had at how many overall like top like how many top 10 overall finishes have you had um I think five, if you count the main, but keep going, Drew. <laughs> um, so he's had, he's had tons of success. So I always like to, to learn from him and, and listen to him. Um, and down the stretch, he was actually the one tweeting out, uh, and this was probably our most interaction. He was the one tweeting out in August that the online championship was over. Was and he's like, you guys are all playing for second place. <laughs> and I'm like, Andrew, we got, we got like two months ago here, buddy. Like, yeah, you know, I was, I yeah, I was DMing him, like you said, in August, early August, because, you know, he had like a, a thousand point lead, I want to say, on second. I'm like, dude, this is over. And, I, you know, you know, I've been in this contest long enough where, you know, there's certain leads that you could catch up in, you know, you know, four, five hundred points, give or take. If you're in second, a thousand point lead, you have to really I mean, things have to fall apart drastically. I mean it was over. And, you know, I just said, you know, I don't want to jinx them, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, you're, you're, you're set up here, man. Just keep going. And, you know, I was actually cheering them on at the end while my team was fading a little bit. Um, it was really just a contest for, for second place at that point. So I yeah, and, we, but- and we were, we were in the pool hitter discord all, all telling him the same thing. And he was just like, he was not having it. And, and like you said, Andrew, you had a gauge of, of what it takes. And, and like, you know, uh you know like the lead that's comfortable and i remember the my first year playing in in the nfpc when i was in the running for the dc overall and i won it i had no idea what what that was i had no frame of reference right you know i had people tell me like ryan bloomfield saying hey you're comfortable it's done and i'm like i don't even know what you're talking about you know <laughs> like like talk to me in the morning like when it's you know i just settle and until they send me the check then i'll know <laughs> that it's real you know i had no idea so and yeah especially looking at yeah, his team say- too like down the stretch it was just like there's no way this team is, is gonna encounter some massive you know um roadblock that's just gonna sink him 1000 yeah. points yeah th- i mean a thousand points I mean, it's i mean that lead i don't even recall seeing a team that had that wide of a gap in first since i've been playing it so uh yeah i mean it, it was toast and uh i know i'm sure drew is still kind of feeling the pressure even to you know the very last week maybe not i don't know but uh yeah no that was quite impressive so like rob said a first time being up there and i had two teams you know that 13th place team towards the end started to fade a little bit as well but i have no frame of reference of the end game or how to you you know take home the overall title um but i i had promised myself two things as a towards the second half of the season was that uh, one, I was going to do everything in my power I could to win, but understand that 
winning was out of my control unless you have 100% of the points in the overall that someone else could just make better moves than me. But I was going to give my every, every, you know, my best effort. So I made more moves in the last couple months, even when, you know, Andrew's like the, the overall salted away than I did probably even before the season. Cause I was like, I'm not, I'm not want to have any regrets that I didn't give my 100% best effort. Um, and and also I I did message Phil I messaged Griffin I I didn't message Andrew because he was up there in the overall also so I, <laughs> I didn't want like a you know a conflict of interest of advice but of just like hey you guys you know Griffin you know was you know in the overall last year and, and then lost out to Andrew and Phil's obviously won the main event and finished second I think in the Rotorwire overall championship a few years ago so it's like what advice do you guys have for me as we come down the stretch like i've never been here before it's like what advice and so they were helpful so it's always good to learn and like i said never take anything for granted even if you know one of the best online championship players uh says you have it salted away you know keep grinding it's good too and that that's such great advice because <clears throat> i think um when you find out how welcome it, all the people in a community are it, it, it's pretty cool to see like we're we're true competitors and i know some people will say that it, it that's all nonsense that we can be friends too it, it's just true i mean we we go live events you know we talk shit but we get in the room you know and we draft we draft our ass off and then we go have a beer after that you know it's just it's just the way it is and and um it, and one thing so, yeah yeah, oh, yeah sorry. I was say, so Drew didn't even experience like the full sweat in these. Like when I wanted, <laughs> like I had a, I had to sweat that out to the very last game. I mm-hmm. remember Otani was pitching, and the guy in second had Otani. I mean, I would, you know, he, it would, something special would have had to happen, like a com- complete game shutout or something ridiculous, and just pushed him up. And, and I remember, I think he went. It was against the A's, no less, too. So I'm sitting yeah. there sweating watching his game. And I think he only went like four and two thirds, maybe five innings, no win, whatever. But yeah, Drew just, I mean, that was full coast mode that last week. I mean, it's just a matter you know, thinking about how you're going to spend the money at that point. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Indeed. Drew, anything changing for you this year in terms of volume of league? Because I know, you know, last year you were totally um, talking about like, the ability to focus on a smaller yeah. amount of teams and putting every ounce of energy into those teams and not like 10 volume teams. So is anything changing this year for you? Uh, a little bit uh, more so in just the types of leagues, just some more online championship leagues and playing in one of the 750 leagues in Vegas. Nice. Uh, so look at, looking forward to that. And I've, I listened to your experience with those, so it feels like a, a totally different ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and later on, I would love to pick you guys' brains about drafting live in Vegas and things you've seen different versus drafting online in just terms of setup and uh, you know what it's what it's like having to make the picks in person. Uh, so my focus is still the online championships, just playing more of those, switching out some uh, lower level leagues. Uh, but that's my focus. I, I think my my strategy and the, the, the time I spend, um, I like to just focus on those smaller amount of leagues. My process really lends itself to some of catching those details that by playing in a smaller amount of league gives me more time to, to focus on and 
Oh, I've had success with it. So that's where I'm going. So I'm growing, yes, a little bit, but still I'm very cognizant of the number of leagues and fab leagues I play in. And I don't want to overextend myself to where um, I don't have the time to go through my process the way I want. What do you guys, um, in, in looking at each other's styles of play, do you guys see anything that you guys have in common in styles or is it vastly different? Have you guys picked up on anything like that? Because I know we've talked about it briefly, Drew, you know, how, how we both come like full circle and, uh, you know, I was really like not, not a projection type and have grown into it yeah. and you kind of took like the opposite route a little bit and merged a little bit of the babs mm -hmm. and, and has yeah, um, yeah. into it. And I know Andrew's style is just unique on its own, you know, um, it, it is. And, and there should be, there should be studies on, on, on the way you build teams and, and the effectiveness of it. And maybe someone's doing it as we speak, who knows, but have you guys found any, any common ground or like looked at each other's like where you build a team or the way you fab and say, oh, like yeah. there's some, there's something like close here. So I can take this first, Andrew, and then if you want to chime in if you agree disagree i would say what i've noticed from guilds teams is that he likes to draft the best the best players at times even if it's uh you know maybe doubling up on a position early or really going for the best talent and and saying hey if, if somebody falls that i like i i can adjust and i'm good enough to adjust later in the draft to balance my team out but i'm taking the best talent here because it's the, it's the best player and i don't need to be super balanced right away I, I can balance later so i would say that's one thing that i've i think i've noticed i don't know andrew if you if you would agree with that sentiment yeah no i i, I think i agree with that i think you know i try to find value in, in all these drafts and the team construction is always, I talk about it a lot. That's always first and foremost. I think there's owners out there that could build teams, but not take advantage of the value that falls. And then there's team, you know, owners that can spot value, but then don't build their teams as well. So mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of bring those two variables together um, and, you know, in these drafts or I try to at least. Yeah. I would say the roster construction is, is probably a thing that we both, too well it, it yeah it, it's not just anybody can can put together the the projections or babs or whatever system you want to use and get a ranking and just you know but if you're just taking the top guy every time it it, it, it takes an art it's an art and a science to mm. build the team properly and to understand every draft is different and being able to understand how your draft room is is drafting and how the other 11 owners are pushing players up or down and how do you react to that because as much as you simulate it and go through uh, you know different you know combinations it, it all goes out the window when you get in the draft and every draft is different and i would say one thing we do differently is probably like fab oh <laughs> andrew's a big early fab big early mm -hmm. fab spender and likes to to load up uh I'm some of those big ticket, you know, guys early and uh, I'm probably a little bit more restrained with my fab. So I would say that's probably a, probably one of our bigger differences just from listening to you talk and, and seeing your, your fab ads. And obviously we both had a tremendous, you know, 
and I just had even more success than me. So it, it can work both ways. Yeah, I'm pretty reckless with Fab. I realize that I own that <laughs> and I embrace it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm a big believer in taking swings on guys early, right? I want to hit on guys and, you know, obviously you get them early, you're getting the most out of them, right? The most production, you know, you have, you know, the most months to, to use that asset. So I'm willing to take that gamble early, take those big swings. And, you know, a lot of times I miss, but uh, those times that you do hit, that's where it really, uh, you know, can take your team to a new level. Do you have any any um, misses this year in terms of dropped or, or miss, missed opportunity in ads? Because I, I've noticed like, you know, my tendency in 12s it can be two different experiences I can, either hold on to a guy too long or just be a little too cutthroat. And, um, you know, I guess you could just always look back in hindsight and be like, Oh, what I make the decision and, and what I do this. But, um, did you find any, 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 um, ads or drop or drops last year that you kind of regretted? And well, for, for me, one with yeah. one that comes to mind is Nimmo and people hear like Brendan Nimmo, why was the big deal? Well, you know how streaky Nimmo is, right? And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that team that I had was definitely low on power towards the end. And I was searching every week. I'm trying to Winsky, you know, and anyone I was on some sort of uh, power heater, I, I was trying to pick up. And Nimmo was just in my lineup. He was in one of, you know, his 0 for 30 streaks. And, you know, he's so damn streaky. And I'm like, dude, I can't keep playing this guy. You know, I need some power. So I said, screw it. Finally enough. I just ended up dropping him. And sure enough, like the next two or three weeks, he goes on this insane power run where, you know, he's hitting, you know, four homers. It seemed like the next two weeks, you know, and I just missed out on all that. And I'm sitting there and as a Mets fan to boot, every homer he hits, I'm like, you motherfucker. And then, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that's one that comes to mind last year. I, I would say for me, the one drop I, I, I kept him in one OC, I dropped him another was Spencer Steer. Uh, I had him right mm. before he got hot and I had to make a decision between him or Lamont Wade and kind of like both of them and ended up dropping Steer. That didn't that didn't work out so well for a couple months. Um and then the the guys I, I wish I could have added was really Tariq Scoobel, Tariq Scoobel and CJ Rooms. Tariq Scoobel, I had the right bid in leagues. I, I priced it really well and i just for whatever reason lowered my bid before like sunday night like an hour before and i lost him <laughs> and i got the projections liked him like every you know people on the discord you feel feel like a oh, Tariq google you know good fab ad and i had it there and i just changed my bid and cj abrams kind of uh similarly we could talk a little bit about my team uh yeah. you know that one the you know i was a bit light on steals and CJ Abrams was, you know, on the, you know, coming up, he was, you know, moving to lead off. He was starting to get hot and he went super, super cheap actually that week. And I don't know why I was off of him. I, I look back at, you know, fab advice and fab articles and it wasn't like a big priority or like a big ad in OCs. It wasn't like a must have guy, but I was just right. he's kind of like really should have been on my radar more. I should have picked up on the, the move into lead off and the, the impact he was having. So I would say those were a couple of mine. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a big difference in the 12 and the 15. And I feel like there, 
there may not have been a big stress for him in 12s. Um, in a 15-team league, yeah, a guy like him is just, I don't think he was even, you know, <clears throat> available in many, just a couple um, in the main events, but it's, it's different, you know, like, cause. Oh, it's way different. Yeah. The, the yeah, main, uh, it's a whole, like, I, I don't apply the same strategy as in terms of fab and the main events. I'm definitely not as uh riskier, better every week. I mean, the first year I played it, you know, I didn't really know there was much of a difference. So I went at it the same way. And, you know, I'm bitten, I'm bitten 50, 60 bucks on, you know, these streaming hitters. I'm like, you can't do that in the main event. <laughs> Yep. You, yeah, you can't. And I'm like, wait, I'm winning all these guys. Like, why am I winning? And I'm like, oh, okay, because you can't really bid that high in the main, you know, the 15 teamers replacement value isn't nearly, you know, as high as there is in, in the 12 teamers. So, you know, you got to bid, you know, in that 15 to 30 range for those streaming hitters. And, you know, I learned uh, after that first year, I'm like, I got to adjust here for sure. It's a different ball game. Yeah, every year I I go down even more. Every year I look back and I'm like, man, I spent, you know, like I said, the first year, like oh, I spent like thirty to forty dollars on guys I was using for a week or two, and then last, you know, last year was I was looking back, I was like, just just try to make them, you know, seven to eleven, you know, mm -hmm. and then this year I'm just gonna be like, I'm just gonna make them one to three. <laughs> it's like, yeah, do that, just do that Steve Weimer style, like bid the lowest and 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 get like a similar guy, you know, because yeah. that's the thing. It's just so many of those streamer type batters. There's there's just other guys that that are that are similar to them, yep. and you could just save that money, like Drew said, for maybe like a schoolboy or one of those rookies that comes out and. And, yeah. and you know goes goes nuts for that's the big realization for me is looking at man why the fuck did I been you know twenty six dollars on Victor Robles like just because he was yeah I needed steals and he was stealing some bags then he broke his back the next week and I was like oh that's just a waste of money but yeah, yeah so you, Drew yeah so sorry. Drew yeah. get no get Andrew no yeah, I was just gonna say you have to be really conscious of your of your wallet there it's like you know a big bid and a main on a bat. You know what I mean? Is like 80, 90 bucks, right? Whereas right. In these OCs, I'm firing 300, you know, at a random, you know, uh, a streamer or, or a call up or something like that. So you have to definitely be um, more reserved and uh, measured in your fab, fab bidding. Yep, absolutely. All right, so Drew, let's hit on your big team for a little bit. Um, yeah. You had 90 percentile in every category, but still on bases and Staves and even those two categories were both above 86 and 87. Um, your second team that was close, you only had 50 percentile uh category points and saves. Um, and it's interesting yeah. too how both of your teams hit the same amount of home runs, but one team had 200 less plate appearances. I only caught yeah. that because I brought them up side by side and I was like, oh my god, is this is this a is this not the right you know is this the right stat and i was yeah. like oh shit, that's a big difference um but i guess just talk a little bit about you know i i mean i have i have your draft up and i i know the guys that that you nailed up at the top which mm -hmm. definitely you know, like yeah. definitely helps in in um bringing you to an oc title but i guess yeah let's give us a little quick spin on your on the season sure absolutely so i'll, I'll cover your your first your first point. So the the team that came in thirteenth, the the saves, uh, really got hurt by Ryan Helsley. Uh, mm. I was in on him. I, I caught the Ryan Helsley bug. Uh, <laughs> you know, great stats. 
has the role. Uh, and I just, I felt the brunt of no closer turnover. And I, Carlos Estevez was my second closer. And obviously he provided a lot of saves for five, five months out of the year, but I just could never get over the Helsley bump. I, I wasn't, didn't get Azalea or Will Smith early. Uh, and so I was just always chasing saves and, that was probably honestly the difference between that team coming in 13th and uh, the team that won. I had Felix Bautista and Carlos Estevez. Obviously, Bautista was unbelievable until he got hurt and was out for the year. Uh, I actually think that was like the big difference between those two teams is Bautista versus Elsley. It just shows you the, you know, the small margins, even though I had a pretty large margin of victory. Uh, there's so many micro decisions and even honestly start and sit. If I look at the bench stats for the teams behind me, uh, you know, teams two through 15, I'm sure if they, you know, had optimized every single decision, which is probably impossible, but, you know, could have caught me. And it's it just, even those margins are, are so small with all those decisions, the thousands of decisions you're making. Um, and then when you, we talk about home runs and, having the same number of home runs, I'm 200 less plate appearances. So I saw this on the outline. So I was taking a look at it. And I think the difference for this team, so the, the team that came in 13th is the one that had 200 less plate appearances, but the same number of home runs is I had a few more, uh, what's like the word, like not part-time players, but players who did really well on a per plate appearance. So mm -hmm. like Corey Seager, who right. got hurt, but he was amazing when he was healthy. Jose Siri was like a part-time player for the Rays, but he had a lot of home runs for me. Um, JD right. Martinez was like that. On the team that came in first, I had just more like everyday guys, Otani and Betts. Like the closest I think I had to a part-time player was Max Muncy. I mean, even he played, you know, basically all the time. I would probably sit him every once in a while against. Um, you know, if you had a string of lefties, but uh, I had just a lot more just guys set in and forget it, you know, who were in and out of my lineup. Uh, so I think that was the difference. And then when you talk about, talk about my draft and you're like, you nailed it. Rob's saying I nailed yeah. it because okay. I, I picked well, eight. Connie Betts, McClanahan, <laughs> Olsen, Galsman. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like. Um, so it kind of helps. I think, <laughs> I, I haven't looked if I assume Otani finished in the, the maybe he finished outside the top round of uh, the Brass Ball Player Raider, but I had three guys who finished as first round players. Tell me how he went 40 and 20 and he batted 300. How is he outside of the top first round? I, I guess. What, I are, we, what are we looking at? I, I assume he is. Um, and McClanahan was like Jesus probably like a top five starting pitcher, I think, until he got hurt. Um, so he was actually uh, like paid off. I know he finished maybe SP 30 or whatever, but when he was healthy, he was a top five starting pitcher. And then right. when he got hurt, I dropped him. I think I picked up Steven Max for a month and I picked up um, like Michael King for the last month. So it basically compiled, uh, right. as, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just kind of nailed, nailed the top part of that draft. And obviously there's a lot of different ways to go about doing it. And uh yeah, I, I think the funny thing, if you think about like last year when we we're coming into into this year, just about power and and speed, um, there were a lot of people who were like, "Oh, you, you can't take a guy with no stolen bases." And uh, you know, obviously, I, Matt Olson paid off in the fourth round for me pretty tremendously. And, uh, 
that was a, that was probably the MVP pick, I will say, because he delivered such incredible value. As 100%. And it also made me realize, too, as I, was, as I looked through drafts of last year, and I'm like, why why was Mookie Betts going in the second round? <laughs> like, what was everybody doing? <laughs> what were we doing? Yeah, I, I think that's what Andrew's talking about is just like, you know, spot, you know, sometimes just taking the value and just, you know, Mookie, it's not like Mookie Betts did anything poorly. I think 2022, he had a bit of it. He had a bit of a down year, but, you know, there is, he has a good track record. He, yeah. he stays healthy. He, he plays just about every day. Uh, he contributes across the board. He, you know, hits lead off. So, you know, the runs will be there and, you know, I don't even know if he was like a big target. It was like a, I think that's the only time I drafted Mookie Betts. Um, but it just it kind of made sense, and it, it's like Andrew said, sometimes you just you don't overthink it. You just take the guy who's there, and you keep moving on. Yeah, two things too. I, I you know, as I was as you were talking, and you mentioned Shane McClanahan, and just giving you really elite numbers while he was healthy, and I <laughs> have taken Glasnow twice in an OC this year out of my three teams and I have that kind of like that similar thought like even if you just get the 100 to 120 elite innings of him um I'll take it you, you know and you could just make it work you know like you piece you pieced it together and you can always just back it up with more secure um pitchers after that and also to the power thing last year I I just suffered in power in all leagues and it's just been like a repetitive theme of mine so this year i'm i am making sure i get my power and then you know just spreading out the mm -hmm. speed after that i'm no no qualms about taking the yeah. uh jordan alvarez's and pete alonso's in the early rounds because it's it's necessary it you're like you need that it's you see you see the 80 percent odds we're going to talk about that soon about the power and it's shot up and it's you can't have uh a middling power team if you want to try to hit that hit the big jackpot you know i, I would say also last year if, if you think about when we were drafting last year the ball we didn't know what was going on with the ball it was changing and yeah. kind of wanted at least one of those guys just like i don't i don't care if the ball is mush or what it's made out of that guys who can hit home runs regardless they like have that power I think Andrew's on on board with that because I think he's got a hundred percent share of Pete Alonso this year. So <laughs> and, now draft. You know, oh, just law. It was a hundred percent, I think. But, yeah, uh, no, it's down to uh, I think sixty six percent now. So uh, yeah, but yeah, we were in an OC together, and he had the twelve pick, and I had the fourth. And mm -hmm. in the third round, I I plucked Alonso and uh, got the got the uh, subsequent um, polar bear tweet uh text from andrew after that pick um <laughs> which which was a fun draft you know i don't um it, it was good getting my feet wet and uh getting into a draft with andrew it was it's definitely not something i want to try to do every draft but <laughs> it, it was good getting that one and i hadn't even known andrew texted me and was like dude that's my champions league qualifier i was like oh shit. <laughs> So, yeah, but, no, that, that was a fun draft. And yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I can't take Pete here at 13. So <laughs> this this will be one where I'm going to pass. But that's all right, because you had other gifts in that draft when you had C.J. Abrams and Michael Harris fall for you on yeah. the 3-4 wheel. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, this motherfucker <laughs> gets all the gifts. I mean, that's a sick, like your start in that league was just, I just, 
I was just looking at it. I'm like, this guy just got Freeman, Judge, Abrams, and Harris to start off in draft. And it, I can imagine you were probably wondering, like, man, like, should I try to get a pitcher here? But I would have done the same thing as you. There's no way I would pass up, like, that kind of start to a draft. It's just from the 12th spot. It's just too It's it's yeah. too nice. Yeah. No, once that was – those guys were falling, <laughs> I'm like, you know – I'll figure this out later. I'm, I'm taking yeah. these bats, you know, and and just go with you know what's falling there. So, yeah, um, Andrew, your your uh, your best team had a little bit of a power deficiency. Um, it seemed to be like your biggest thing that you came short of, and also saves. Um, did you have some specific culprits on that team that that um, held you back from those marks? Yeah, I mean, it was a combination of things. I'm, you know, I had Jeremy Pena in there a ton throughout the year. I was just waiting, you know, for him to to show some power. Yeah, and he ended up with what I think ten homers, right? So I, I'm not even yeah. sure what happened with him last year, um, but I think he was at 18, 19 the year prior. Um, so you have a ten homer guy in your lineup for majority of the season. That's going to sting. Uh, Eloy was another guy where, you know, he actually played a lot, but the power wasn't there. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and then I'm just trying to sprinkle in guys, you know, uh, throughout and I just kept missing on those, on those power surges, it seems. So, uh, yeah, it was, and usually my teams are, are pretty, uh, um, you know, stacked in power and speed. So that's, that's not usually a category I'm pretty deficient in. So, um, yeah, when you're people say, you know, power is easy to come by, you know, sometimes it's not right. And especially late in the season, uh, when you're competing with these other, and I don't have any fab money usually by that time. So, uh, I'm just praying my one or $2 guy, you know, Swinsky bids get through and <laughs> yeah. roll them out there for a week. But, um, yeah, no, it was frustrating, you know, cause pitching, you can manipulate somewhat right at the end of the year, whether it's wins, K's, you know, you try to, uh, to start a bunch of guys, but when you're, when you need those counting stats and they don't come, you're just SOL basically. So, uh, yep. Yeah, I think my team it got up there. I wanted, I don't know if it was top three or four. You know, with maybe like a month left, and it, after that, it, it just faded. And yeah, the, there was no coming back. Once once you drop out of that top ten, you know, late into the season, you're likely just battling for for you know position. You know, inside that top ten, if you get it. Yeah, and it's tough when you're just trying to rely on guys that play every day and have a good skill set, and they're just not producing that that yeah. output that you're expecting. And it's it's hard to you know make that switch to because like there wasn't at some point, and I'm sure there's nobody as good as Jeremy Pena as an overall player out there, you know, on the wire. And I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Just thought the 12s were a little bit different last year in terms of trying to find those those uh, streaming types um, week to week. It just felt like a lot harder than it was in recent years. Um, I don't know if that's just the way because there's multiple platoons, um, but the Jack, you know, you keep going back to Big Jack, and I feel like it's a great example of a guy who you look and like, okay, he, he may get only two of three on the weekend. And that's really like not ideal in an OC, you know, for like, um, like an average player, you may just want to roll out a guy who's just going to have all three games for for sure. But he was the kind of guy who, if you needed power, you were going to, you were going to sacrifice the one game for, you know, because he was doing it, you know, it's like a whole bunch of guys, like even like a guy like Matt Walner in like a 12 team, in a 15 team league, he's in your lineup when he's, you know, when he's in, but 
Um, in a 12-team league, it starts to become yeah. a little bit more like, oh, is he going to sit first this lefty? And then he hits two homers, and you leave him on your lineup because, you know, you, you, you they played some schmo who played three games. And you're like, fuck, why did I do that? <laughs> I think to your, to your point, too, what you said before, I agree. I, I feel like last year there weren't that many impact bats, right? If you look at it in, in compared to previous years, like we had Ellie, you know, McLean, you know, there Was weren't. There weren't a tremendous amount, and like with, with Drew, if you smash a draft, right, and there's not those difference makers out there, you know, you're even you're sitting prettier than you know than you normally would be. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just felt like that that offensive um, talent wasn't available like it usually is in most years. Yeah, I would I would agree. Uh, it just it it did seem tougher, or you know, maybe it was. I, I don't know what to chalk it up to, but I agree. And, and just come what you're saying about guys going cold or it, there's nothing worse. You you can stream a few spots. And Drew and I both know the the value of of streaming and you know churning your roster, but there's nothing you can do when some of your guys are just running cold all at the same time. And it's kind of a helpless feeling when you know I had another yeah. OC partner, Jason, and you know we had. Yelich and, and Tucker and Pete Alonzo just the stretch when Alonzo was after the broken wrist and he's hurt. Yelich went on a really cold streak his second half. It, it's just something you can like, you can't take those guys out of your lineup. You yeah. just gotta right. hope, like take right. turn it around at some point and their better months make up for their cold streaks. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, there's nothing worse <laughs> yeah. than when you're chasing teams and you're just watching your guys ice cold and you're lying at the end of the season, you're like, I mean, worst time of the year to just go cold and, and you're, you have no control. You're just watching it, watching your team fade. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, like the main event, you know, you just, you can at least say, well, there was no better option. But in the 12, you could play that game a lot where you're like, oh, maybe I could have picked up this guy or maybe I shouldn't have dropped this guy. Maybe I should have started this guy because there are the options, you know, Ben, that's where you can get yourself in trouble if you if you dwell yeah. on it a little too my, much, you know. My goal this year is to do less of that. It, I go back to Fab and I look back at for guys who hit. I was like, oh, why didn't I add? you know, why didn't I add this guy or this guy went for a few bucks? Like, why didn't, like, who, look who I added over this guy. Um, I, it's helpful in a sense just to identify your mistakes, but yeah, you also don't want to dwell too much of, you know, this or that or lineup decisions, right? Like I benched, uh, you know, you bench somebody who goes off on a weekend. You're like, why did I do that? You got to trust your process and that if you're have sound reasoning behind it, you know, you're not going to get every single one right, but if you follow your process and you have, you feel like you have a good process, the probability will pay off that the pros will outweigh the the, the good decisions will outweigh the bad decisions. Right. I think you're right. You know, you, you definitely have to stick to your process. And um, I I just noticed, like, I went back and and actually I was noticing it in season, but I really took a look at it after the season. I just I was on such a week to week basis that I missed the guys like Chris Morrell, you know, um, where I wasn't really thinking of the like the possibilities like of, of what could be the ceiling. And I was just so looking for the matchups and even the main event and, and for the online championships. And I kind of missed and and 
again, this could be trying to trying to identify maybe what you missed and if your process was right. Maybe it's just this one guy. Maybe it was just Morel that sticks in my head. It's like, oh man, I'm not identifying these guys. Maybe it was just him. And obviously, you know, he didn't play the whole season, yeah. but there was a stretch where I could have used uh, his stats and I he wasn't even a thought to like bid on. So that was one of the, like, he's, he's on my mind a lot. And I don't know um, if, again, it could just be him specifically, or it could just be that player type in general, where I'm not looking at the bigger picture of upside and just worry, worrying too much about the week to week um, game. So that that's one thing I'm trying to, keep my eyes open for this, this season. But so we're looking at the year to year jumps in percentiles, 80th, 90th percentile. Obviously we know the speed took a huge leap. The 80th percentile went from 134 to 198. Mm-hmm. We know the rules changed, um, you know, players went off in that realm. You guys did a pretty good job identifying that and, and you were pretty strong across a board and stolen bases on your team. So is that something that you kind of anticipated or it was just kind of the the players that you drafted just like lent into them just getting a couple more stolen bases naturally or did just something that you kind of planned for drew that's a good question so i know acuna helped but <laughs> yeah so like one team one team had acuna uh the team that finished 13. uh i think actually it's not to, to sidebar but you grow up i think it's pretty fascinating I, I, I think I know I know main event. I know Brian and Dylan didn't have Acuna. I didn't have Acuna on the team that won, and I believe the team that won the GC also didn't have Acuna. So I, I just find that fascinating that like the three. And I, I don't think Lucas Beery won the online auction. I'm not sure if he had Acuna. I, I don't. Think I don't think was, he did. Yeah. I, I just think it's fascinating that none of the the big overall champions had the the best fantasy baseball season. It's it really is a testament to fantasy baseball that it's more than one player that makes or breaks you. It's uh, and yet they're screaming to change the rules, Drew. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've seen that. I um, no, it's funny. It's it, a good it, conversation it, to have. It, it is. I see the pros and cons of it. I see, yeah. and we could. This kind of ties into to stolen bases. I, I I'll get back to your stolen base question, um, but Acuna last year. Obviously, no one saw him stealing seventy bases. I think he sold 70 plus, right? I don't remember. Yeah. I'm yeah. already on to this. I already forgot my last. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, he, no one obviously saw that, right? We knew stolen bases were going to increase, but no, no one saw him stealing 70. And I think it was pretty easy last year that if you had Acuna, that you would be overinflated in stolen bases. Because all of a sudden, let's say you get Acuna and you drafted, uh, you know, Corbin Carroll, all of a sudden you're, you, more than halfway towards your goal. So on one hand, I could see like Acuna, you weren't anticipating like all these stats. And so maybe you're overinflated stone bases. You weren't as balanced um, versus he had such a big year. And like this year, when you're talking about, you know, fabbing for the first pick or only doing auctions, you can do a little bit more planning because you kind of projections of what Acuna is going to do. So you can plan a little bit more. But last year, he exceeded all expectations. So in theory, you could have been able to capture like all this extra value. And you didn't even have to draft him first last year. I drafted him third in this online championship. So it's like, imagine the value out of that. Uh, so I, I see both sides of, you know, he's a cheat code and he's so much better. But at the same time, people can win without him. And that's 
part of the reason I love fantasy baseball. Yep. I, I just find it wild that you won it without Acuna, who, right? He had the best fantasy year probably ever, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. not only did you, did you win it, you crushed the competition. So, <laughs> that's just, I mean, that's like uh, just bizarre to me. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you could really win it, you know, a number of ways. And to not have Acuna and win it all is just is wild to me. So, yeah. All right, so back to stolen bases. So we, <laughs> we knew coming into, into this year that stolen bases were going to go up. I think Jason Collette and Jeff Zimmerman had the best estimates for increased stolen bases. I think they were still a bit off because it was more than we even thought it was going to be. Um, I think the, the question we didn't know, and Andrew, I don't know if you approach it similar, was we didn't know who was going to steal all these new bases. We didn't know if it was going to be the middle guys, the slow guys, the really fast guys. Like there was guesses. Um, I think maybe I thought the guys who were like the five to 10 stolen base would see like the biggest jump, but mm. uh, I, I didn't really try to force that where I didn't say, I, I didn't really try to force stolen bases or say, I, I need so many more. I said, we kind of don't know who's going to steal all these bases. So my guess is I can get them later in the draft or I can get them in free agency, like as they emerge. And that's kind of end up what happening. And I think I was in a good position to, uh, to take advantage of that and, and be able to pick up you know, some of those big stolen base guys. Uh, and so Andrew, I don't know if you, if you thought about it similarly or. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it, Similar to you, or, you know, I thought those middling steel guys, 10 to 15, you know, they might see the biggest bump, right? I didn't think it was going to take a poor base dealer and turn them into, you know, a 15, 20 stolen base guy. And at the same time, the elite guys, you know, would also get a, a kick there. But um, yeah, no, more so, you know, kind of like Drew, I wasn't focusing too heavily on that because like, like he said, we, we didn't know how it was going to play out. So um, I thought there'd be more steals. I didn't think it would be to that extent. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was crazy. It is crazy. Do you guys expect the same thing this year or a jump or less? Because I, you know, I play this thing in my head or our team's going to get better at stopping it or a team's going to get better at doing it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, I also wonder with the, the the throw to first rule, right? How I don't even know the, the data behind. Like, what did those steal attempts look like and success rate there? I'm sure that played a big part in, in increasing the steals, but um, right, you know, and I think teams will dive into like the super smart teams will dive into the exact like when to go. Like, you know, I I, I think if there's if you're looking at a team, let's just say one team notices that you know what the uh, the pirates don't throw over the first often, you know, it's just like, they don't want to waste their, their, their throwovers or they just, and you, you can look at a team like that and be like, okay, so we'll just be aggressive right from the jump. Like as soon as it's like first pitch go, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, I don't know. Cause I know how teams are, you know, how super analytical they are. So I can't wait to see what teams actually take advantage of it even more to like a, yeah. a more agree, you know, cause then. Then you have teams who just really didn't run that much, who were really aggressive yeah. below the average. And you just wonder, 
are they are those teams gonna stay that way or are they gonna try to incorporate it like the rangers went from the most aggressive team to the fourth least aggressive team and that's just because all their guys were healthy and bochi just like hey we don't need to waste out let's you know we got a bunch of hitters yeah. or is it just because they wanted to see how it played out you know there's so many thoughts about that because that's the reason why you know like a simian or garcia lost some steals um, i know mm-hmm. garcia got hurt too but i don't know if there's there's a lot of things to wonder what like our team's gonna get better defending it or or are they just gonna even be more steals than last year which would be fun like i think it's great yeah i, I think that's a good point about team tendencies and teams that didn't steal as much taking seeing the the advantages of stealing more uh, you know how it's you know other teams had such success with it so i, I think it'll be interesting i think I, I think I read some, I, I forget the source that in AAA, they saw steals increase a little bit the year after the new rules, like even more. Yep. So I would say maybe increase in stolen bases, like a, maybe a slight uptick. I'm not really sure how much higher it can go. It was up 40% last year. <laughs> it's like, you know, how much more? I think the one thing that I, I saw go happen as the year went on last year is teams really prioritize catchers with like strong arms. Like if you have a catcher who can't throw out runners, I think there's like just no plate. Like it's really hard to have that and a real major league team to have that person as your catcher, just because teams will run wild and they just take advantage of those matchups against guys who can't throw out any, they're throwing out 10% of runners or less. And it's just, it's an automatic free base pretty much. Yeah. And it's also too, now that we have the, the actual um some like cool different stat cast uh mm-hmm. you know metric you can actually see the guys like the pitchers who are slowest to the plate and stuff like that and i was yeah. gonna say noah Syndergaard back in the day right right <laughs> and, and, to... <laughs> yeah and people know that and they used to say it theoretically like oh he's slow to the plate but then when you start seeing the numbers and how much different it is then then other you know and, and i think that's also too a good thing like week to week i was when I really needed stolen bases and to stream them, I was going next level, like looking at the matchups yeah. and not just catchers though. Like you're saying, I was like, all right, who's the pitchers to target? Yeah. Because yeah. I think that a lot of the GMs were, and a lot of scouts were even saying that on Twitter a lot, which like, Hey, listen, it's not just even about the, it's, it's actually more on the pitcher than the catcher, yeah. you know? And that's why I like that, that catcher leaderboard that, uh, yeah. that they have that the catcher thrown. Cause it shows you like it bakes in if, if the, if it was more on the kit, uh, pitcher or the catcher. Yeah. And I think that's really cool to see that um, stuff, man. I just, I can't wait yeah. for a bat speed. Just give us bat speed already. Fuck, we don't want to see catchers throw in a second. <laughs> the one thing I, I, I'll add on about Noah Syndergaard is funny. Like I would look <laughs> at team, I would look at team uh, stolen base allowed as like season went on. The Dodgers yeah. were in the beginning of the season. Stolen base, they were like the team to target if you needed stolen bases. And then they got rid of Syndergaard, and all of a sudden you just saw like their their ability right. to throw out runners. Like they made some other changes. I think maybe they got a little bit better at keeping guys on or holding runners. But like they actually went from like a streaming target to a like a neutral or like a not really 100%. any advantage later in the year. It was kind of funny. <laughs> it's so funny. No, you totally nailed that because I remember them seeing so far ahead of the rest of the mm-hmm. league, and then like you said. Then one week that they were third, one week they were fifth, one week they were eighth. I'm like, man, you can see the effect of one guy. And plus, like you said, I'm sure they took 
a corrective step to you know yeah. getting getting better at it but it there was, were, yeah there was again i forget i think it was against the marlins a few years ago with Senegal. i don't know if you remember that oh, they had like seven steals against no it was something Jesus ridiculous and fucking it's, it's really really nuts yeah so you yeah, know and, had like three i think that game something crazy and and two things that you know i'm i'm looking at the 80s 80th percentile, 90th percentile. You know, I know a lot of people like to use that as a marker to get to in a draft. And I look at the projections and there's, there's, you know, I know some people use them, some people don't, and some people use them just to like take a look, whatever. Even if you don't use them extensively as an SGP, I'm sure you use them as some sort of a guide just to see the player's floor. But I just look at some of the stone base projections and I'm just like, are they not baking in the new stuff yet? Or are they going to be right? So then, so when you're trying to use like a projection system into the 80th percentile, um, I've been doing some DCs and I don't really use it as Bible, especially in a DC because after 14 batters, I don't expect to just be at 80% or 90% for something because I have, you know, I'm using my bench as streamers to supplement that. So it's not really, it's just, I just want to see my floor for it. But this, sometimes I'm like, man, I, I still feel so far in stolen bases. And then I look at the projections and I'm like, I don't, you know, like CJ Abrams at 35, you know, the Elliot at 30, um, you know, and there's other players, even in the lesser sphere that I'm just like, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if this is right. Do you guys have a feeling about that at all? Maybe, like, if you are using it, would you at least yeah, maybe no. just bake bake some extra in on your own? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I agree. I, I felt like they were low also, just looking at them. You know, even, like, I saw Tatis um, when I was drafting, and, and, and he's got, like, 27, 27, 28 they're projecting, and I'm like, I don't know. This guy plays a full season. You could see forty plus. Easy. I know that maybe that's the high, the high end, but it feels like yeah, they're uh, they're pretty mild or, or uh, uh, conservative, at least in the, in the stolen bases. So I yeah. would say this is a, a a good time for me to plug. <laughs> I uh, I was fortunate. Vlad Sedler asked me to write an article for the FTN Draft Guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible to be included. Uh, you know, amongst all the great writers and guest writers, you know, see your name up there, Steve Weimer, Rob Silver, uh, you know, Shelly Mergestrait, Shane Butler, Jeff Zimmerman. Big thing, Drew. You're a big yeah, thing now, great, big item. You know, um, I was told I got to win, I got to win the overall twice to, for Vlad <laughs> to ask me to contribute <laughs> something. So. Um, you know, it's, it's quite an honor and, uh, you know, it's very, I, I, it took me a long time to write that article. So anyway, I wrote an article um, that just is how to deal with this. Um, I won't go into deep much. I suggest everyone check it out. Um, but basically how to deal with the projection systems, projecting less stolen bases than we're seeing with the 80th percent um, target and how to kind of scale scale your projections so that you know, it kind of matches what we're seeing to last year. So that's what I will I'll say about that. Um, you you guys are correct that there I there there's less stolen bases projected than there were, um, you know, that we we accumulated last year. Uh, but there's ways to balance them out so you're comparing apples to apples. Right, one hundred percent. The power department too is interesting. You know, it. it, it it had pretty um pretty big fluctuation from year to year like you 
like you mentioned before, you have the balls that are changing. Um, no one really knows what's happening. But in the 80th percentile in 2021, it was 338 for homers. Then it went to 293 in 2022. Last year, it went up to uh, back up to 322. Um, but even the 80th and 90th percentiles from 2023 and 2021 was like a 20 homer gap-ish between the two of them. And there were only um, 72 homers total less than 21. So I was just wondering, like, were you just not, were just, were the, were the guys who input the home run just not uh, fairly usable for the leagues? You know what I'm trying to say? It was like, was, was the yeah. homer bump from guys that just weren't like guys we were, you know, really targeting to use in our lineup? Because you would think that it would just be closer to that. 2021 level than than it really was yeah it's a good question i i so you put this on the outline and i was trying to think about it and i think i i don't have a great answer is the yeah. honest answer i i think part of what you said is definitely correct uh it's like maybe some of these guys who are hitting the home runs or just weren't as usable or as usable as we thought in oc maybe you know we we chase volume we chase max playing time so it's the matt walner is facing you know friday through sunday he's facing uh, one lefty and maybe one of the righties is really good so like do you really want to use him and that's the end he hits two home runs uh so i i think that's part of it i think part of it is potentially we caught up in stolen bases and who, yeah who's, good point. who's stealing all these bases <laughs> and maybe just lost the you know home runs count too and you know, if you need home runs, we're just stolen bases were fun last year, right? Guys were stealing bases left and right. And so it's like, you know, who who do we need to stay? You know, the, the targets were higher than we even thought. So it's people maybe prioritizing stolen base guys um, versus power guys. So I don't know if there's like one one right answer, but I think it's potentially a combination of those things uh, that let us capture less less home runs than we would have anticipated. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Andrew, do you have any um any thoughts on that or I think too ballparks like... maybe changes to the ballparks too influence. I mean I haven't looked into mm -hmm. that data, but you know that's mm -hmm. gotta play a role, especially like in Camden Yards, for instance. I mean, you know, that used to be a launching pad and now it's you know it, it's not one of the better home run hitting parks, right? So um yeah uh, yeah, I gotta yeah. think like maybe maybe just a lot of the guys because I'm just looking at like the like the leaderboard and I see like the Brent Rooker, like um, how much how much Brent Rooker were captured in in starting lineups and like you said Drew like Jose Theory, um, just guys like that like just several like not not the clear cut starters but a lot of the guys who provided twenty or more you know maybe your Michael Taylor's your Adam Duvall like. Maybe they didn't make the lineups as much as we can. That's why we didn't capture um, yeah. all those stats. Um, but Andrew, I know you're getting involved in the Champions League this year, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward Drew, to it. Drew, you're not doing it, right? Could, no main event for you. No main event. You know, I okay. I I could talk about it like like briefly. It's like it's I part of the success I've had is just really limiting the number of leagues I've had. Uh, and it, first of all, I will say it's a great idea. I think it, it's a it's a great showcase. I think the the signups. I, I I track the signups on the NFBC Discord. It's been incredible. Toby's done a great job promoting it. You guys all have. It's 
He really uh, has. Toby's so into it. I love it. I love his enthusiasm for it. It's yeah. amazing. So it's so I'll start. It's a great idea. I just very always cautious in the number of leagues. I would love to play in more leagues. I know my time commitments and what I have time for. And I, I feel like I hear every year some people is like, oh, I was in too many leagues. I didn't have time to focus. And I, I always use that as a caution tale for myself. Um, Smart. And also, I will say I'm, I'm pretty methodical with my transition. I, I've only been playing in the you know, NFPC for a few years, I've kind of mapped out over the last few years, like the number of leagues and I've increased, you know, steadily, but sustainably. And, uh, I've never played in a, I've never played a DC, forget a main event. Mm. And so I, I'm not a spontaneous, you know, I give credit to people who've never played in the NFPC before who sign up for this, uh, cause they have, you know, a lot more, you know, courage than I do, but, you know, I would want to wade in slowly, do a main event, do a DC, get familiar before I jumped into <laughs> jumped into one that had so much so much stakes behind it. Uh, so that's a little bit. And the last thing I'll say is, I love the process. We talk more about Jefferson and Tara Bell. I could talk about the process all day long. They have a section in there just about specializing um, in leagues, and I kind of ju I just love the online championship. That's been my priority. I love the league format and the ability of fab in the draft uh, to make your team better. Um, and so that'll probably never stop being a priority for me. It doesn't mean I won't introduce different league types, but um, you know, I, I will say to anybody who's trying out the NFPC, there's all types of league types, you know, maybe 12 or 15 Roto isn't your thing. Maybe you're a best ball person or guillotine, or they have like a points, like a diamond was a diamond challenge. Um, you know, so there's so many different league types out there and, you know, to try different ones and maybe you find the one that fits your skill set best. Um, and that's the one that you can still play different formats, but maybe that's the one you focus on and become really good because it just fits what your strength. And for me, that's the, the 12 team OCs. Guild, talk to me here. Um, is it going to change your, like, they've diversification portfolio like within the contest i know you've done the oc dlq did you um did you do your dc yet i did i had the 14th pick there and, and the 12th in oc oh so. man they don't like you yeah <laughs> not treating me too kind and it's funny too we talked about alonzo before and i did i drafted all alonzo before my clq team so i'm like uh the one team, you know, where I kind of really want him in, uh, I'm not even going to get him. So, um, no, I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it does add a little bit of an edge to these leagues. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, I think I told you the one thing, if I had a nitpick would be the, the final being the auction. Yeah. As the, the championship. Yep. I would just like to see that, you know, go back to like a 15 teamer. Cause like, like Drew was saying, you know, different formats, you know, they're acquired skill sets, right? And the auction right. is an acquired skill set, I feel like. So um, to, you know, not have that as part of the qualifier, but then it determines the, the entire champ. I would prefer to see that be like a 15 teamer, right? And then you kind of, I told you what my idea would be where you, you get a draft pick according to the CLQ finish, right? So the number one overall winner would get his choice of draft pick in the, in the finale, if you will. So, um, 
I don't know if Toby said they're open to changing it at some point, maybe, you know, that'll enter the equation, but uh, yeah, overall I'm looking forward to it for sure. And uh, I know you'll, you'll be tracking it all year long too. So. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. And, and yeah, I think it's, it's good that we'll even have a lot of people to, you know, factor into having a discussion about it. Like after we experience it for one year and I know like the original reason was just math, you know, like more people, right did these three legs and then yeah just we also wanted to incorporate auction but who knows maybe maybe it expands like where it's like hey let's got a best ball involved too somehow who knows like i just think it, it it's a great start and then we'll see where yeah. it expands from there so yesterday as i finished my clq for the oc i did mine last night and um and um you got a good one man that's yeah yeah i'm pretty excited about it so i got i got four players who who i have on both both teams do you guys want to take a guess on who they are one sec let's take a look both so yeah. both the the clq dc and the oc right. yeah yeah yep four players that i that i've had on that i have on both teams the third player i didn't even realize i had on my oh. dc until i actually looked back hmm trying to think so i'll say one of the catchers like real muto or wilson Contreras. it's on both no ah. but that's that's that 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 <laughs> for me <laughs> without a doubt um oh. let's see let's see uh grayson g-rod nope nope no? got him in my oc but yeah not oh not, i not i i know um because he fell in this draft. Jose Ramirez. I had 15. Not... Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I had, 15, I had 15 pick in my DC. So, that okay, yeah, that yeah. was probably a giveaway. Yeah. And, it, yeah, I was, man, I, I was so happy to see him fall to 19. It's, that guy picked right, right before me. He picked Jordan. But I was just sitting there. And, and like I was like, if I get Riley or, or J-Ram, I'm going to be so happy to pair with Tatis. And, I mean, to get J-Ram at 19, I mean, it wasn't so far off his ADP, like maybe four spots. But... Just something That's I wasn't anticipating. <laughs> if you were 15, yeah. I mean, uh, Glass now fall in the 3-4 turn in the D.C.? That doesn't seem likely, did he? He did, but I didn't pick him. Oh, okay. There, Paredes, so, Paredes has to be one. Sorry to cut that. Uh, Paredes, Paredes is not one of them, actually. Yeah. No. Just tell us, Rob. We could go through the uh, 30 guys here. Hunter Brown, Nick Pavetta. Um, oh, I should have known Pavetta. And uh, I don't know how I feel about writing my my DLQ uh, uh, stance on 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 Nick Pavetta, but it ended up being that way. And um, last guy was really random, but DL Hall. Um, I right. took him. I took him in my draft champions really late, like in the five hundreds, and I actually just took him as like a late round flyer in the OC. Yeah. I think he. I just feel like he's one of those kind of guys you could take a fly like. That's the guy to take a shot on late, 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 late in an OC that you're probably going to turn that spot anyway. So if he's not starting, I just drop him, you know? I think you hit on something too there where it provides an interesting dynamic where now in these CLQs, I think owners are going to want to kind of get similar guys across their three teams, <laughs> right? Because, yeah. you know, if you hit on them, you're hitting on all three of those teams, right? So it's going to add another interesting layer, I feel like, where you, you know, you want to kind of lump those similar players together on the, the set of three teams if you can. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Like a, it just adds a it adds another layer of 
of intensity to each DC pick I was making to, you know, to the OC, you don't really have time to think about it. But for the DC and a slow draft, you're like thinking about way too many things. I, 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 I overthought decisions that were just like snaps in, in previous DCs. So I think it's really I, cool. I, obviously I'm an, I'm an outsider to this, but I would say if I had a piece of advice was, is exactly what you said, Rob is to, to not, to not overthink it, to not put the extra pressure on yourself, or, or at least try not to. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes if you, and I'm guilty of this many times, and I try to take a step back, is sometimes if you really overthink things, you you over, you know, over engineer it. You're only over, you know, outsmarting yourself. Yeah. Sometimes it's good point. You know, it, you know, I'm not saying pick the same player on all three teams. <laughs> you know, but just you know, try to take a step back and, you know, try to remember that if you, if you're, if you're too, if you're thinking over it too much, you know, that's maybe not the best path to go down and to try to be objective and, you know, think about this team and how do you make this team the best one it can be. Yeah. And I, like I, that. And I think some CLQ strategy for the main, at least for me, I'm saving mine. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be in Vegas this year, unfortunately. So uh. I'm, I'm going to save that CLQ for the online 11 a.m. or one whatever 2 p.m. Eastern time, where you guys are drafting all your Vegas mains. Ah, uh, you're soft league hunting, Joe. <laughs> I said I thought you were a different guy, man, and now forget about it. Everything about you is out the window. Forget well, this it. is what the CLQ was doing to me, man. Now, now it's adding this wrinkle, but I didn't think about it before. I'm like, you know what? Why not? If I'm going to play a main, you know, do the online CLQ, I get to choose. You know, why not choose that day, right? Yeah. See, now you're really trying hard to get into like an FTN article. I see it. I see it. <laughs> <Yeah. What> <laughs> Rob, I had, I had two questions for you about this draft. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I was looking through. So, one. Oh, let's talk about that last. Okay. We're going to talk about that last. Okay. Okay. All right. I just want to yeah. cruise through this. Um, yeah. Just like a little roster build for 2024, real quick. And then we'll talk yeah. about that team um, last. Um, all right, just a, a couple of quick build questions here. I know you guys have your different thoughts on closers. Um, Andrew, I know you've been very vocal about when you like to take closers in OCs. But um, it, how actually, like, how many do you tend to like the roster? I know I saw a couple of your rosters last year where I think, Drew, um, you had one team with three and one team with four, like you took a shot at spec late, like Scott, Scotty McGuff type. Um, but like who, where do you prefer the route of closer? Just, just looking at the ADP map this year and like who, who would be the last guy you'd be comfortable like as your anchor one, as your RP one. Andrew, why don't you, I, I haven't drafted a host yet. <laughs> Andrew, you've oh, drafted wow. like five. So why don't you, uh, yeah. why don't you go first? I can chime in. I mean, yeah, these pockets of closers, you know, right now seem like they're pretty solidified, right? You get they the, are. the yeah. Hater, Diaz, uh, Devin Williams. They go like right in the fourth round. Some, you know, sometimes right, right after each other. Um, and then you kind of get that that ne next pocket of guys, Doval, Duran, like in the next round. So what I've been doing, I've, I'm trying to wait. I have a lot of Diaz. I love Diaz. You know, end of the fourth round. Uh, I think I already have like three shares. Um, mm -hmm. To me, that's just an easy pick. I feel like, I don't know. I think people are uh, just using the, the lost year and, you know, uh, I don't know, putting that on him for this year. But I mean, to me, he's my number one closer on the board. And so, and he's going, you know, 
after Hader and uh, Devin Williams in a lot of these drafts. So um, I'm usually taking one of those early guys. Um, yep. Have a couple of the ranch shares, um, but I like to get one of those closers in, in four or five or six. And then I do the waiting game and, and, and try to see what I could get. And if something falls, you know, really far, like a Kenley, I think it was our draft. He fell like to the end of the 13th round. I'm like, I'll take him here. Right. I mean, that's a nice price on him. Uh, but yep. more or less, I try, I try to get the, the one lockdown closer, at least in the OC. And then I'll, I'll take a couple spec guys later on in a draft. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think I found myself like, if I don't get that very first one, like a Diaz or Duran that I'm like really sold on or a hater, um, then, you know, there's that pocket of like Sewell and and, and those scary. guys. That's a scary range, yeah. <laughs> it's a scary range, and also too, if you're just playing like, yeah, it's scary because they got a lot of question marks in it, and it's like if I end up there first, then I definitely want to go into my second quicker. You know, that's the way I feel. And it's again, it's always in the flow of the draft because, like you mentioned, um, you know, Andrew, like if you're if you're sitting there and 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 and, and you. And you could use that second closer, and Kenley Jansen has fallen, or, yeah. or Clay Holmes has fallen, and or you know, I think, I think, and I think they just like this one guy just floating in the middle, like Jose Alvarado. He's just like oddly in the middle of you know everybody who's going at one twenty, and then the next group at like one eighty ish, like Leclerc, uh, your Robert Suarez types. But it's like it's just like Jose Alvarado in the middle of just like just hanging out like if someone forgets about closers they just go to Alvarado it's just a weird yeah a weird flow and it's also too that's just that's dangerous as a first closer as well I think you know just getting and, maybe yeah and I'm never reaching for a second closer ever and then right. EOCs I'll take one like I said if they're falling to a nice value but I'm, I'm I'm never, I never feel panicked where I got to get this, a Clay Holmes, you know, in the eighth round or something like as my second closer. That's, that's never happening. So um, I'll gladly take a bat or, or a starting pitcher there and just, you know, adjust later on. But uh, I see a lot of these teams like they're like in a, in a rush to secure two closers in those top 10 picks. You got to get your second closer. And, you know, from my you know history, I, I found the most success where, you know, I get that one legit top end closer and then you know i piece together the rest whether it's in the draft or, or you know on, on the wire yeah and, and one one guy real quick i've noticed is fun and you know maybe you could tell me why you know jordan romano i mean nobody seems to want to draft him you know along with those top end closer and he's, he seems like he's a good value to me um yeah, I, I, don't I don't know why he's all of a sudden closer to Alexis Diaz than he is right. to Bednar. Um, I, maybe it could be Rob Silver. You know, he has heavy impact. He, he, he tweets out that he's scared about Romano, a, a Blue Jay fan himself. And he, I don't know, because I feel like, I mean, I was off of him in the in for most of DC season. Um, like, I like to diversify a lot of my closer shares in draft champions. Um and Romano did have a pretty un-Romano-like, you know, end of the season. He got hurt, yeah. and and yeah. and like a lot of things got bad. I mean, every single metric, every single p 
pitch spec that you could look at, he wasn't the same. And it could just be back. And you say, yeah, he's got plenty of time to heal his back. But it's also like it's plenty of time to, for it to come back to in the season. So I've definitely, you know, haven't gone to him a whole bunch. But I also feel like it's not enough to fade him to the point that he's close to Alexis Diaz. Because I don't think, I'm not that scared of him. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's still... He's 30. He's 30 only. I mean, he's, I don't know. Like, like you said, there was injuries there and yeah, he wasn't the same guy, but to me, I mean, that's clearly a guy that could easily, you know, be a top four or five closer this year. Yeah. 36 um, so saves back to back seasons, right? <laughs> With two one yeah. ERA, a two nine ERA. And like, you know, yep. I don't know, give, give, give you great ratio help. And like, I don't know. And in the last year too, he, he had the the whip went up to one two two. But after a season of one oh five and one oh two, and the projection seemed to be in line with uh, like what he did last year. And they're all projecting the same thing, like one two two, and with a high ERA. So I don't know if people are basing it off that. But like pure save volume, if he's healthy, he's going to be in the top five in yeah. the numbers. You know, because of the team he's on, the good mm-hmm. starting staff, and like the the good pen to, to get him saved it, 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 it's going to be there you know and I, and I might be partial to him too he's been on my my big teams back to back years so i got a soft spot for, for romano yeah. i guess cheese man got to have soft spot for romano <laughs> Dude, what do you think man um first I glance agree. uh i agree kind of about the specs at the end you know early on you're looking for guys to drop anyway and so kind of want to know hey maybe you hit gold on a on a relief spec that turns into a closer maybe he doesn't get the first couple opportunities so he's an easy drop so i think that's a natural route to take at the last end and you don't overdo it but uh, you know that's a good path and then when it comes to romano specifically i think and i think rob silver mentioned this on a podcast with you rob uh I think everybody who's a fan of a team hates their club, like hates their closer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unless, and I think Rob said, unless you're a Yankees fan and like, yeah, Manuel Rivera is the closer for whatever, 10, 15 years, you, you know, that's the only one that anyone was ever safe with. So always be cognizant of who the person is a fan of when they're talking about their closer, if they like them or not, because if they're, they're talking about their team's closer, they may be a little bit, harsher on that but what you're also saying too in some way is that the majority of people affecting his adp are canadians (laughs) perhaps i mean you know if i was looking for a closer there in that range uh you know i I think romano has maybe some warts but i i wouldn't see a reason to avoid him if that's correct i was looking for for a closer there i i think there's you know i i don't want to keep Alexis Diaz, I think, is like the whipping boy, you know, for, uh, you know, for, you know, everyone's beating down on him of like a closer to fade. But so, you know, I think there's other guys to to avoid. I I would say Romano's do not draft for me. Yeah, he's going. I'm looking at the ADP the the last week. I mean, he's going around pick 75, fell into the 80s, you know, over this last week. I mean, I feel like that's a nice value on him. Um, right, sure. yeah, because he's getting closer to that next group, you know, at Seawolf, yeah, Banks, Phillips, yep. um, Munoz. So, I mean, and that's a lot of there's a lot of different things that could go wrong in that group, too. I think Phillips, a lot of people were waiting for him, them not to sign Hater, 
And um, so I'm pretty confident that, and plus he's got a good skill set and like he's a real big ratio guy. Like if, if you're one who's going to be a little bit of a ratio snob, like Phillips, Munoz, they, you could really, you know, yeah. you know, and, and, and he's, he's had three years now, Romano of success in that club. Right. So, I mean, this is, this is not a guy that's coming off one big year only. And, you know, you know, and there's like a, a Diaz, right? Um, I mean, there should be pretty long leash for job security here. So, I mean, if he's healthy and he's ready to go, I mean, uh, you know, that's a closer I, I want to get. And his swing and strike jumped up from 14.5, 14.7 at 17% last year, Romano. It's not like he's, like you yeah. said, it's like it's no surprise. Um, and I feel like in that next group is. Like I don't mind taking a you know a Fairbanks if I have to you know hopefully you just get your twenty saves and elite numbers before he gets hurt or whatever. I see well the you know you're gonna get volume. He he seems to be uh, a, a guy that both teams have you know our Mariners and the D backs have have felt confident with going with. But um, and Munoz you just you don't know he's got that injury yeah. his path plus. He's you know, the he's my he's, wild card. He's the he, wild card, right? Yeah. He could be a top, you know, two closer, or you know, he could be, you know, sharing a job and have a 10 to fifteen saves. You know what I mean? And Brash right. and, and Vultures, you know, his range of outcomes for me right now is, is the highest. So yeah. it's he's interesting right. pick. Yep. He could be Yuan Duran of last year where he'd be like, ah, yeah, yeah, like no brainer. Or he could be, you're, you're right, like sharing with, with uh, Brash and, and uh, Gregory Santos. And we're like, what happened right. here? Right. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast. Sorry for that abrupt cutoff. Me, Drew, and Andrew continue to talk about some of the ADP and online championships. And they roast my recently drafted online championship league qualifier team and catch the rest of that on the patreon thanks for listening don't be a bag of shit